Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. As LGBTQ plus people, you have to make up your own rules all the time of how you do things. Like, how are we going to do this? Because there's no path. Half the time you're told you have been told you're not allowed to do the thing you're trying to do. So you make it up as you go along. And actually, it means that you reconsider from the ground up. And I think that that's why not with your, the way you guys had your baby. And, and also, like, why not with the way you construct a family? Hello, listener, and welcome to Some Families. My name is Stu Oakley, and as you probably know by now, or not if you're a first-time listener, and hello to you if you are, uh, I am an adoptive dad of three, and I am here with my gorgeous and wonderful co-host. Co-host, are you there? Hello, Stu. Hello, listeners. I am Lottie Jeffs, and I'm the other half of your son, family, mummy and daddy duo. And I'm a mum of one who's two. And a half. Well, this episode is rather exciting. Lottie and I are just awaiting the arrival of, well, he can only be described really as podcast royalty, fellow queen, mm-hmm. and all round wonderful podcast host Chris Sweeney from Homo Sapiens. Yeah, so you've probably listened to Homo Sapiens as well as some families. I wouldn't be surprised. Chris is the host. He did it with Will Young in his first series, and now he's doing it with Alan Cummings. And it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant podcast, and we love it here on Some Families. Chris is also a director, and he has just been nominated for an Emmy, which sadly he didn't win, but he should have done, for his TV show that he directed called Back to Life. So he's an all-round talented individual who I actually first met when I was at university and we've had some Did shenanigans you? in our in our young young gay times together in London which we won't talk about on this show but we could maybe do a sort of special x-rated show we had some fun times and for anyone listening that lived in London in the early 2000s the the club shadow lounge will tell you everything that you need to know about what our gay London life was, was like <laughs> together when we were wistrels young queer beautiful people on the streets of soho but chris has gone on to do fantastic things and we're really happy to have him on the show so without further ado we welcome to our little zoom meeting room he's he's waiting outside desperate to get in clamoring at the door it's chris sweeney testing testing Hey. Well, thank you for joining us, Chris. This is very, very exciting. 
Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. I gather that you and Lottie actually know each other from university, so you two go way back. Yeah, I was just reminiscing about when our first sort of early encounters in Soho, Shadow Lounge, yes, uh, friendly society. How times have changed. How we've how we've moved on. <laughs> when um, gay marriage became an option, which I think was like when was it twenty? Well, civil partnership was, was before. Was it only twenty fifteen? 2014 was marriage, but civil partnership was before then. Okay, so when that became an option, did you then suddenly find that your family were pressuring you into sort of getting married and having kids in the way that straight people have have suffered for millennia? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know what you guys found, but like, I have to qualify this with, this is probably a lot of my own insecurities being projected onto this statement but like when William my husband and I got married I definitely felt the vibe from a lot of people was as if like oh Will and Chris are putting on like a school play but like a you know like a puppet (laughs) show behind the sofa like it's not real you know what I mean like there was none of the it just didn't come with any of the usual stuff because I don't think people really thought it was real and that's not to say if you asked them face to face, they would say that. But I think it was just like, oh, gay marriage. Such you know. a novelty. Mm. Yeah, it's a novelty. Oh, what fun. Yeah, exactly. So, so Chris, so now you and Will are thinking about and looking at having children in your lives. And that's a prospect for your near future, yes. I gather. We have both always wanted kids. We're pushing ahead and we're doing surrogacy. And it's a fascinating it's a fascinating process. So we're doing it through America and we've got some friends who've done it through America and we've got friends who've done it through Canada. It sort of feels like entering a cottage industry. It's not that different to podcasting, actually. It's like you meet people who are doing this thing and they know how they do it, but they don't know how everyone else does it. And, you know, you kind of, you learn a lot because there's no bigger systems in place for it. You know, it's sort of Mm -hmm. like, depends who you talk to. So I find that quite interesting. And a sort of combination of, it's a combination of like deeply personal, beautiful conversations with certain people, like people who are surrogates or people who run surrogacy agencies. And then also some conversations that can feel quite sci-fi. And, you know, talking about eggs and embryos and cycles and things, um, which Mm. I imagine is, you know, very adjacent to IVF and all of that kind of thing. And you feel like you're in the future in a a strange way. Mm, That's interesting. I think once you kind of, once it goes from being a conversation with doctors about eggs and blastocysts and sperm and, you know, the, the science of it, until it turns into something real and emotional rather than biological. I see what you mean about it feeling quite like sci-fi and weird and alien and hard to connect with. It's so abstract until it's a real thing. What I find fascinating about it is that like all those conversations about eggs and, you know, eggs being turned into embryos and embryos, sperm is frozen and embryos are frozen and things like that. They are quite tangible things you can point at and go, this is what it is to have a baby. But what I'm always reminding myself of is the truth is, this is um, 
no one will remember any of this stuff because this is about a person. And I think that it can feel quite easy to forget that sometimes because, and the reason I'm saying that is like, you know, my mum was sort of chuckling listening to me and my cousins, I think, or no, me and my sister and some friends talking about babies. And she was like, they're babies for a second. Like, what are you talking about? You know, and, and so people were going, oh, we think we're going to do this. We think we're going to move here. We're going to move there. Mum was like, you blink and they're toddlers and then you blink and they're 15. And actually, it, the, the truth is, because it's all quite tangible, the process and the eggs and the embryos and all of that, you can get a bit hooked up, hooked on that. But actually, it's about a person and mm-hmm. you have to remember that. I think the moment that then you're in it and you've got this little person or little people in your life, then then mm. all that all that goes away the, the stuff that that you'd been working on before and thinking of like all the terminology like blast cysts and all that kind of stuff which is my new yeah. favorite word ever having started this series <laughs> i mean how do you predict your life will change well this is the thing right so you two know it and i find that there is this look between people who have kids that is this kind of you know you know you know what i know you know, and no one can ever fully prepare you for it or explain it to you. And you're reminding me of Ellie Taylor is this comedian who I work with a lot. She's very funny. She's on Instagram and I think just Ellie Taylor. And she found, I think, in her email drafts or somewhere, like a list of things she wanted to take to hospital when she had her baby. And she and she posted it on her Instagram going like GHDs. I think she took a, <laughs> I think she took a book and like all this stuff. And she was like, how little did I know to think that I would be doing anything to my hair or any of that stuff? And then people started replying, saying all the things that they took. I think that that is a salutary lesson in that, like, I don't know. You know, I'd love you guys to tell me. Obviously, I suspect your listeners have heard. But like, I think I'm fascinated by how how little I know. Well, I think all that stuff you take to the hospital, you just leave at the hospital and you you never see it again by the sounds of it. <laughs> so may I just say, when we went to the hospital, and this is just maybe an example of how extra I am as a human being, I took, we've got this like little pink globe light. Right. It was in the heat of summer when my wife had our baby. And so I also took a fan and so this is like top tips if you are going to have a baby, and um, particularly if it's in summer, things to pack in the hospital bag, which I know is not quite the point of what you were saying, Chris, but just this is a quick sidebar. So I took this pink globe light because the lighting in hospital rooms is always terrible. It's always strip lighting. So if you had like a pink warm glow, you could turn off the overhead light. Lovely. And keep this lovely ambient pink light on. And then lovely. when the midwives and doctors and nurses keep coming in and interrupting you during the night they don't keep turning the overhead lights on top tip number one top tip number two take the the fan and then i also took some menthol room scents (laughs) no no i mean that would also have been good but it was like it was a minty uh, like oil and then i dabbed some kitchen roll i dabbed uh, minty oil on the kitchen roll and i hung it over the fan so that the fan blew out this sort of delicious, fresh, minty smell. 
So, I mean, we were going through hell. It was like a three-day birth. It was awful. Oh, no. But every time a doctor or nurse came in, they were they were like, oh, it's so lovely in here. You ladies really know how to create an ambience. And I was like, oh, thank wow. you very much. I'm not having much to do with this process of having a baby in terms of, like, my physicality, but at least I'm creating oh, an ambience. That's so amazing. It, rem- it makes me think of, like, queers do anything like we just always we sort out the lighting exactly we sort out the atmosphere you know what i mean like the playlist the playlist you know maybe it's a bit of cashmere you know like how do we make this nice and that's exactly right and i felt proud of us because i was like okay if we're one of the few lesbian couples that are coming in here and having babies i'm gonna show you what two women (laughs) can do there's a link between which I think is lovely is like as LGBTQ plus people you have to make up your own rules all the time of how you do mm-hmm. things like how are we going to do this because there's no path half the time you're told you have been told you're not allowed to do the thing you're trying to do so you make it up as you go along and actually it means that you reconsider from the ground up and I think that that's why not with your, the way you guys had your baby and and also like why not with the way you construct a family you know, mm. and and I think that that is, I think that's lovely. And I think like when you're in uncharted territory, that is a real permission to do it however you please. And a bit like a wedding and a bit like mm. many other things. I think that's what's exciting and inspiring. I really like that way of thinking about it as so sort of positive and exciting to think, okay, there, there are fewer precedents with this. Let's let's do family differently let's create a family that's right for us and I think there are still so many hangovers of heteronormativity and it's something Stu and I have spoken about of kind of like that's our benchmark that's what we have as a structure to fit ourselves into or uh, reject and I think that to just think no we can just start afresh with a blank slate is is really exciting mm. and i think we should do more of it because it's so easy to just fall into what other people are doing that it's it's important i think to challenge ourselves all the time yeah there can be like through on our podcast all we seem to talk about is gay shame but like through shame you can set yourself little tasks that like because I'm ashamed of a part of myself by being LGBTQ+, I'm going to set myself a little task. I'm going to achieve this. And and that normally is in parity with straight people. I'm generalizing here. So you can set yourself that task without thinking, hang on, what works for me? Like, what do I actually think is interesting or the best way to do this? And, you know, as you get a bit older, you start to be like, hang on, I actually, I think it should be like this and I don't care what other people think of that and that takes a lot of bravery and gumption to do that and I you know like one of the things thinking about parenting that makes me chuckle is growing up like I was a really feminine boy and I loved like wearing dresses and like my family was so fine with that and it was really nice that they didn't care but like I often like when you're out in wider society you know people get funny about it and then your femininity is hated let's say or attacked but then when you start talking about having children as like two gay men like people go oh where does you know where's two men and where's the female role model 
And you go, well, hang on a sec. Like, I thought I was too feminine for you lot a second ago. And now I'm too masculine. And I think, you know, I love that actually the truth is you do not need to get your feminine energy from a woman and you do not need to get your masculine energy from a man. You just, in life, they both have valid, you know, they're both valid in their own way, but they don't have to come from a gender. It's just about the mix of life. And I think that's what I'm looking for in our um, in our family, you know? Um, yeah, we had that with yeah. us. And, you know, I, I said exactly the same. Like, uh, I'm, I'm incredibly feminine and my husband's not that feminine, but he can be quite feminine. And I was like, well, actually where's the where's going to be the masculine influence in in our children's life and where is that you know (laughs) and it's it's so inbuilt in all of us in all queer people to have had that shame and it's a really interesting concept how maybe by being a parent and by maybe going with something that has always been considered so heteronormative actually helps break down that shame do you think that actually by becoming parents... By being a parent, you're probably going to have to confront a lot of stuff within yourself. And mm-hmm. I, and so that interests me. I think that by being a parent, you also learn to get out your own head and go, who cares if I'm nervous about who I am? You know, this is now bigger than me. But I think the... Uh, so and, and I don't know because I'm not a parent, you two are. So I want to know what your answers are. But I think the one thing that like the bit that I can sort of speak about is that like I know that by the idea of becoming a parent like I know that I want to make a family where within our family it's okay to be different and my family were like that as well but I know that a lot of families aren't and I think it's really good to teach kids to set a certain example in the way you live your life not teach kids set an example of the way you live your life and actually my parents were like really didn't give a shit about anything like I love dolls I wanted to be a princess the whole time they they actually never even told me what I was doing was odd as a kid like they didn't even bring it up and actually the the thing that was kind of the smack in the face for me as a little kid is that then I would go and get dropped off at people's birthday parties as a kid in a dress and then everyone at the party would think I was weird but my dad had dropped me off and gone and I'd be like oh okay I'm not meant to be in the princess dress and (laughs) it was sort of really like oh whoops you know and um and I I love my family for never having they didn't even teach me about difference they just said you are who you are but I think perhaps my version might potentially just say to the children I have should they wish to be different in whatever way you know just so you know like not everybody's cool with this and mm, you know yeah. there's an element of preparation there yeah but what what do you think about that question as well because you two are the parents yeah i mean just on the subject of dresses because it's something lottie and i have talked briefly about and it's something that keeps coming up even this week again that my son loves wearing dresses and he's always because he sees his older sister dresses and he's always asking to wear a dress and this week he wanted to wear a dress and and there's always something in me that that pushes back in the house I'm fine but when it's going out of the house I always push back on and I'm always like why is like why am I as me as a queer man who's proud of being queer and and want my children to be whoever they want to be why am I so resistant of it and all I keep coming back to is that because I'm a gay man are people going to think that I've almost like 
encouraged him to wear a dress and that's always in the back mm. of my mind and it's it's been, it's been a really difficult thing for me to to kind of get my head around and and whilst I don't care what people think at some in some ways but it's like for example we were going out to meet um their older siblings who they hadn't seen in a while and he wanted to wear a dress and I was really adamant that I was like mm. in that situation no you're not wearing a dress because there's these older siblings thinking, oh, he's been adopted by two gays and oh, look at him wearing a dress. And it was it was something that really played mm. in my mind. So it's it's an interesting concept of how that kind of shame can come into things as well. I mean, it, that is so fascinating on so many levels because I think that you when you were speaking I was like oh well the thing is like of course you're worried about doing outside the house because you have experienced the interface of what it is to get shit for that stuff you know what I mean so you're protective over this child and you know what people can be like so there's a dichotomy of like okay well do I say you be you or do I try and protect you and I think also like you know the conclusions that other people jump to, right? And the conclusion that could be jumped to because you're going to meet up with the your child's older siblings who don't they don't know you that well, right? And so they can jump to conclusions. And I think that's really complex. Have you read Tom Allen's book, Tom Allen Comedian? No, but I um, want to. He it's, talk- it's new out, isn't it? It's yeah. so good. For someone who can just get to the heart of what it is to be vulnerable about your own experiences and tom was talking about growing up in southeast london in he you know these are his words like a very normal family but he's popped out the womb like speaking really posh and liking having tea parties and stuff and he was talking about defining what it is to be suburban and he was saying you know like to be suburban is to really care about what people think next door and I am so that person. Like, I just, it, I to be honest, I feel like it's either baked in or it's not. Like, and I just am that person. I care if people are being noisy in my garden when we're having drinks. I'm just like, oh, please can you shout out the neighbours? I'm just that person. And I think, but he was talking about aristocracy and how, or those kinds of people, how they don't give a shit. Mm. And and what came to my mind when I was reading it, I was like, well, that's privilege, isn't it? What a privilege to be able to pe- tell people to go fuck themselves, you know? Because it's it's not afforded to many you know and of Mm. course you're going to be worried because you've been on the receiving end of the bad shit i do think that as gay people we are often people pleasers and we sort of want to make ourselves okay for other people and so we feel like we somehow need to be more polite more charming more funny more intelligent and emotionally engaged because we kind of have to to work for people's acceptance and validation. And I think that that's something that really comes in with parenting too. And I, I, it sounds to me, Stu, like that's kind of what you're experiencing as well, is this sort of sense that you have to be the most perfect parent and mm. that your your kids have to sort of fit this like normal ideal. And I can see you're battling with that. And when we talk about it, I can see that it's something you don't want to be feeling. But you know that the residue of these um these heteronormative structures it runs deep like it's not something that you can just rationalize away it's it's really it's almost physical and and learn and 
you know, it exists in us and it's so hard to just shake it off, I think. So I, I think as gay parents, you know, we are carrying a lot that straight parents aren't carrying. And I think that the best way to deal with it is to have these kind of conversations and talk about it and normalise things and, and challenge ourselves and be open-minded as well. Um, and, yeah, just... You can, do, you can only try your best. And also, like, the thing that... Like, Skin from Skunk and Nancy, who is a black skinhead uh, bisexual woman who came on our podcast and like I always quote this thing that she said which is you know you got to give people a minute so she was like if I go into a pub in the middle of nowhere I just have to give people a minute because they haven't seen anyone who looks like me and I don't get angry I don't care I just let them have a minute to work it out and I think that sometimes as LGBT people Q plus uh, we are used to pre-thinking what the other person's going to think you know what mm. I mean? If like, you're going to judge me because of this, because we've been down this road a thousand times. And it's so it's all it's all of that as well. You know, yeah. it's like you're you're mitigating against what you think is going to happen. And that's normal. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't know how far down the road you are with surrogacy, but what was it about surrogacy that made you go for that option? And did you and Will kind of look at other options out there other than surrogacy? Yeah, we looked at everything and including like random friends drunkenly at dinner being like, I'll have a baby for you. You're like, mm, should we talk about that tomorrow? Going to read the room tomorrow? Don't think so. But we, yeah, like we looked at adoption, we looked at surrogacy and all, all the options. We decided this time, this first time we want to do surrogacy, but would really like to look at other options in the future like maybe adopt in the future i basically covid meant that i was supposed to be going to australia to film a tv show and i was about to leave and i went to new york to freeze my sperm to 
be part of the surrogacy process. And then COVID happened, so I didn't go to Australia. So I needn't have gone to New York to freeze my sperm, which was semi-pointless. So, but it's there. So that it's all being done in San Diego. Do you know what's weird though? It's like, it was so, I don't know. It was all done in such a rush that I, I just had this feeling when we were doing it that I was like, I just feel like this is not going to happen as planned. I don't know what that is. And then mm. COVID happened. But were you, so were you and Will sort of on the same page with surrogacy from the beginning? Or was there a kind of a conversation that was, got a bit complicated ever? We definitely had a conversation. We were both really undecided. I think that he really wanted to do surrogacy. So I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's do that. Because I think that it was sort of one of those things where it's like a marriage or a long-term relationship or whatever. Like, you know, it's definitely like a thing you do together, isn't it? You know, and he really wanted to do that. So I was like, okay, let's do it. But I, I would really like to adopt in the future as well. And I, um, you know, I know how big a thing that is you know as you've been through Stu and you know it doesn't mean one kid it can mean three and all of those things I think down the line I would love to talk about that as well you know as in with him not with you guys. <laughs> you can you or can, can you can come and <laughs> come and chat to us about it as well for sure <laughs> yeah. and maybe just a shout out for any couples that have disagreed so much that they've never gone down the route because they've disagreed so much it's a pretty big question right and like it's reassuring to think that if you've gone as far as being in a long-term relationship with someone, like you're on the same page with the, with the big stuff. It just felt to me that like of all the shit we're going to have to talk about throughout being parents together of this meeting of two minds of what it is to raise someone and how you were raised mm-hmm. and all the super personal stuff. Like let's just have a really calm, gentle conversation about what you really deep down would quite like to do right now. Mm-hmm. and be mega open because this is the easiest chat we're going to have probably and i definitely even find that with the dog like we definitely have different parenting styles and you can project your own stupid anxieties onto how you parent a dog i think people underestimate mm-hmm. pets and how important they can be in preparing yourself for parenthood and i think some people can almost laugh oh, that cool. off and And, uh, you know, there was a point during our adoption process where actually John and I used our dogs as examples that got us through the process. Our older Labrador, (laughs) she's still with us now, bless her, but she had a massive bout of cancer a few years before we adopted. And but we were able to use that as an example of how we came together and how we sat with her through the night when she was literally incontinent on the floor and we were nursing her through the evening and, Mm. and gave up everything for her. And it just and it. And it actually showed how we were able to devote ourselves to another being, as it were. As you said, work out how dynamically we can kind of come together, which which our social workers were like, yes. tick, tick, tick. Yes, this is brilliant. This is brilliant information. I suppose, how, how do you go into the unknown together? You know, because like the, the biggest bonding experience of my life for my family, including my husband, who was there the whole time, was my dad dying. It was amazing watching us work together like it brought us so close we were amazing the way we dealt with it as a family and we all learned loads about each other 
For the future, where ahead of you, what would you say are your kind of, you know, biggest worries about being a parent? Ooh, biggest worry. Because if you want some, we could give you loads. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, oh, can't believe he's stumbling on this one. I think I'm going to be quite uptight. Like, I think I'm a very anxious person. And I think that what I, you know, what I hope is that I don't project that onto my children. Mm-hmm. We had to, so you have to have, when you do surrogacy, you have to have like a therapy consultation with someone. A lot of people seek therapy at the point they have kids because they're worried about putting their own shit on their children. I was like, oh, that's fascinating. I'd never considered that. I mean, I've had therapy since I was 27, so I love it. But I think that's really interesting that a lot of people want to sort of get that out of the way so it doesn't go down a generation. Mm-hmm. oh yeah totally i mean there's things that i see in the children all the time well that others also see in the children all the time that are like that's you you've done that that's you i'm like thanks <laughs> thanks for that but then also but then also feel slightly proud about it i'm like well you know what Absolutely. they've got a bit of me in them because they're being you know they're being this way or that also by the way you're trying your best amen you know what i mean that's all you can 100%. do 100 percent. you have to roll with the punches you have to not be too because if you do be too hard on yourself you're just gonna beat yourself into a corner i will lol listening back to this interview after i've had kids i imagine but do you not think that as lgbtq plus people the things that have caused you issues is the set ideas of how things or people should be like mm-hmm. that's any discrimination you've received is because of that so try not to do that to yourself in parenting and just go yeah. Yeah. I think it's totally a lesson in relinquishing control and just just accepting that your love for your kid exists and your kid loves you and they might not always express it in the way that you would like them to for example at the moment my daughter I'm so I'm mama and my wife is mummy and my daughter is like obsessed with mummy <laughs> to the point that if I go to pick her up from her cot in the morning, she's like, no, no, I want mummy. Oh. And then the funniest thing she said to me today was, can mama be mummy? And then I had to <laughs> pretend to be mummy for her. <laughs> and, you know, I just feel like it's my duty as her parent to not let that affect me and to be robust and to show her that she can say whatever she wants to say to me and I will always be there and I will always be loving her and that actually I'm not you know if I was like oh darling that hurts my feelings when you say that so much poor me I feel like that's a recipe for sort of setting up a a very dysfunctional relationship so I just feel like I need to just laugh it off and brush it off and most of the time she's absolutely adorable with me and when my wife isn't around for example she'll always come to me and she's incredibly loving and sweet she's just sort of testing out boundaries she's testing us and she wants to know how I react when she says that and I think it's healthy to be like that's okay you can you can say that to me and, and I'm still here. I love that you dealt with it like that. So we've said how much we adore Homo sapiens, Chris. We do. I mean, from a parenting point of view, is there anything you've taken from some of the guests that you've had on Homo sapiens? I think like the thing that I feel about Homo sapiens, which is it will be the most nutritious, beautiful thing I have ever done with my entire life. I love it. And 
the thing I take away again and again is that you the unifying thing of all the people we speak to who are amazing is compassion and it's an elusive thing sometimes compassion and I think that if you act with compassion it is the north star to everything else and if you were to listen to every single episode of homo sapiens with these amazing people actually you can come back to all these incredible things they've done is because of that Mm. and i think that if you can do that in if i can do that a bit with raising a family or my relationships with anyone in a family that is you know a life a life well lived Mm. yeah that's a wonderful thing i mean and you feel that you do the compassion that you feel and compassion will get you so far as a parent as well. So if you can take oh that, God, like yeah. that compassion for for yourself, for, for your partner, but also for your child as well. It's so important. We on some families have a new little jaunty little item called show and tell where we bring something that we feel is like a great example of LGBTQ parenting or is something that presents our community in a great way or it's just something we just generally like and we share it with the class mm. we wondered if you'd if you'd brought anything to to the some families classroom I today have. let me look in my satchel so what i wanted to bring um was this facebook group called men having babies do you know it no. i feel like oh, i should great okay so men having babies is i think it's pretty big It is a Facebook group where men who are having kids post stuff. And I have found it a brilliant resource because there's two versions of research, isn't there? There's like the hour you spend looking, looking, looking. And then there's the one where like it just it's always in my Facebook feed. And so I just absorb lovely bits of information about what it is to be a parent in a much more... um, organic way that I think you wouldn't get if you're doing an hour of thundering research and I love that so it's not just gay men it's it's men generally no it is gay men sorry it's it's lgbtq plus men so I think there are you know trans uh, men in there and all of that but I think what's interesting about it as someone who doesn't have children like the the chats they have there about just really tiny specifics that I think is is really interesting so someone will go has anyone had this and you're like ah and then people will comment underneath and you just learn loads I don't know it's just interesting you learn loads and it's like okay I tell you what it's like it's like mum's net I am obsessed with mum's net (laughs) already mum's net is a place where people can talk to each other about incredible specifics and 15 people will reply Mm -hmm. and where else can you do that and I wish there was what I wanted to set up was an LGBTQ plus version and not just parenting of just queer net you know like because we all have these specifics and we don't always have someone to turn to to talk to Mm. about and I think I think it would be amazing and I find men having babies the Facebook group is a bit like that it's just really interesting to you learn loads from tiny little specifics which is yeah oh, thanks, thanks for that i'm gonna go and check That's that out good. because i think it is well it is so important and it's so important to feel you're part of a community and 
even if it's even if it's not that you're learning something from it it's just that you're feeling included and you feel represented and there's something there that's reflecting back at you I feel is what is important mm. sometimes you know Lottie and I've talked about you know different social apps aimed just at mums that are there as well and yeah and it's I think it's so nice to be able to have that within a queer space and to have those and to have those mm. honest conversations because we're all trying mm. to be the perfect parent or we're all trying to you know do it the way we can and like I say to have to learn from other people's fuck-ups as well is sometimes incredibly important <laughs> yeah so I have brought to show and tell in the spirit of true inclusivity, something from a heterosexual person. Whoa. Oh, no. Whoa. <laughs> but my friend Sophie Beresina, who I used to work with on Elle, she was the beauty editor at Elle when I was there, she she used a surrogate with her husband's um, sperm and donor eggs to have her baby. And she writes brilliantly about the experience of being an other mother, I guess. Although she is her daughter's mother of course but there's a sort of otherness to her experience and she has just launched a website called mother project official she writes a column for the times mm. about her her experience of surrogacy that is brilliant and probably anyone going through surrogacy would really take a lot from it but her website not only does it sort of showcase her incredible style and just cute baby stuff but she's also sharing a lot of stories from other people gay and straight who have had different uh, routes to parenting. And I'm sharing it because I, I think it's interesting to understand that it actually it's not just an LGBTQ thing, that there are a lot of heterosexual people who find themselves in positions where they're having to explore alternative ways of becoming parents. Um, and so I think that the, the website's brilliant and really worth checking out. It's called motherprojectofficial.com. I don't have something I want to... Sh well, it's something more as a show-and-tell conversation piece. And actually, I thought, Chris, with your background in TV, actually, it's something that it would be good to pick your brain on. Do you both watch Modern Family? Or have you both watched Modern Family? Mm -hmm. I have So Cam and Mitch, they obviously have Lily. And I feel it was... You know, Modern Family is groundbreaking in so many different ways for the fact that the way that they are portrayed as a gay couple, et cetera, et cetera. And then they have this, the fact that they're gay parents on a on one of the biggest American TV shows of all time. I just felt towards the end of the, and I still haven't watched the final season, but I feel towards the end of the series, they get, the relationship with Lily just takes this really weird turn that actually I just feel is not a good representation for mm. LGBTQ plus parents. It's almost like she's an annoyance to them and like they're always forgetting about her and she's always um. just like this on the side and, and they want to adopt this other new child. Right. I just was curious to know what your kind of feelings were on that. Yes. So I don't know. I love Modern Family and I think the fact that they there was this, you know, gay couple and they had a kid and all of that was great. But... It's probably a bit of the friends slash Will and Grace problem, isn't it? It's like, you know, we we clutched any element of acceptance from Will and Grace and then actually we suddenly went, hang on a second, this is so 2D, the portrayal of LGBTQ plus people. But again, it's white gay men and, you know, it, even that's too narrow. I think that, yeah, it's not good enough. But the actor that plays Mitch has just had a baby with his husband, Justin. So 
maybe if you followed the real life version, you could it could be somewhat book redeeming. him. Let's book him on the show. Yeah, we need to get him on. Book him. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I think that like sometimes, sometimes what springs to mind. We talk about this on our podcast a lot. It's like. The people who are doing some work get more flack than the people who are doing no work, you mm-hmm. know, and that doesn't yeah. excuse it. And it does not make it right at all, because what we're talking about is a palatable version of gayness, aren't we? Really? Mm-hmm. And oh, isn't it funny that they forget their kid because they're gay. Get it? You know? Yeah. And and it's like, but hang on. I've been watching it and John and I both kind of look at each other and go, this this is really uncomfortable, actually. (laughs) Like the way that Mm. the dynamic between this, what was a wonderful like unit of a family unit has suddenly become this, I don't know, they just don't seem to like each other. Because our our representation is so narrow that like we look to that show, like if there were 12 different shows Mm. which represented gay people having kids. We wouldn't be so frustrated by the one that does. There you go, so Chris. True. That's your next TV commission. Make a brilliant show about <laughs> queer. I keep being asked parents. to do the gay rom com, and I'm like, I don't know what it is. Mm. Ooh, don't watch know. this space. Well, listen, Chris. Thank you so much. We'll let you oh, get back no, on with you. your evening. It's been brilliant having you on the show, and it's been thank such you. A delight. And best of luck with your with yes. your journey, and keep us posted. Thanks. I mean exciting stuff no yeah thank you so much for having me on it's been an honor we hope you listening really enjoyed that as much as we did oh i loved it and if anybody needs lottie to go out and if you need some kind of maternity support in terms of lighting or aromatherapy i could really market myself as like the equivalent of a doula 100 percent. you're gonna be we'll put you out as an aromatherapy lighting birthing partner for for hire and as always we want to hear from you lovely listener and so if there's something that has got your seal of approval or has really got your goat especially from an lgbtq plus point of view or a parenting point of view then please do dm us or email us or send a carrier pigeon but Lottie how should they get in contact with us the email address with which to send or to which to send your email to is somefamilies at storyhunter.co.uk and you can find us on twitter or my preferred means of social media engagement instagram at somefamiliespod Yes, go and stalk her, lovely listener. Uh, You can also check out our website as well, which is www.somefamiliespod.com and you can find all transcripts um, of past episodes and links to listen to past episodes as well. Thank you for listening, folks, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next week with another one. So until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Bye-bye. This episode was produced and edited by Hattie Moyer. Some Families is a Story Hunter production. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.